Gloria told this story first. So I think if she told it first, that gives me permission to retell it. Don't you think? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell her you said so, um, by the way. But uh, not too long ago, we were in the car riding. I don't know where we were going. I don't remember what we were talking about. But we were going back and forth. And finally, as we were talking, I realized something. It dawned on me. The light bulb went off. I thought, all that stuff she's learning in school, all that practice and all the social work mumbo-jumbo and jargon, she's using all that stuff on me right now. I can feel it. And so I turned to her and I said, don't use your book stuff on me. Of course, the small group that she was telling that story to, they said, John, you have no right to tell her that because that's all you ever do. And I tell them, so what? My book's older and it's more important than her book. But that got me thinking, and believe it or not, as I thought about that small conversation, the word popped into my mind, the word relevance. I don't know if you know this or not, but that word scares some of your preachers. Because we, we understand that it's part of our job to take this text, right? These words that have thousands of years behind them. Words that represent a far different culture than we understand, a different time, a different perspective, different ideas, even different understandings about God, and that we understand that we're supposed to read and reread this, try to find some direction for God so that we can have something to say to God's people today. That we're supposed to make this relevant. That can be scary. But just so you know, that doesn't scare your preacher now. And it's not because of anything special about me, but it's because I understand that's not just my job. Just think about it. When you go home and you read your Bible, because I know you all read your Bible during the week, don't you? And when you read it and when you think about the word, you think you scratch your head and what in the world did that mean? Or when you talk about it with somebody else or when you read a devotional or some kind of commentary, you're trying to make sense of it. What you are trying to do is make it relevant for your life, aren't you? It's not just my job. It's what you do as well. But I understand that trying to do that can be difficult. It can be a very difficult thing to do, to take some of those harsh words, to take some of those stories and try to make sense of them, to try to make them relevant in our life. Sometimes that can be very difficult to do. But other times, it's very easy to do. So we have our story today of Moses going up and down the mountain to speak with God and to confront God's people. Now, I'm sure that many of you have an image of what Moses and the tablets look like, and it may look something similar to that. Anybody recognize him? I know that guy. I watched that movie. That's Moses and the tablets, right? Now, I know there's some of you that may look at it and think, I don't know who the world that is. And matter of fact, I didn't even know they had technology in the Bible. You didn't see that coming, did you? Here's Moses. Going up the mountain of God. 
to commune with God. And as he tells the story, he's there for 40 days, 40 nights. Doesn't need a drink, doesn't focus on what he needs as a human being, but he's just there to commune with God. And while he's there, God gives them what we call the Ten Commandments. Sometimes I think when we think about the Ten Commandments, we think about a little wrong. Yeah, those are those rules of God. And when we think of it as just the rules of God, I think we miss the importance of what they meant for Moses, what they meant for God. You know, a couple will come into the office because they want to get married. And although we don't go through all the rules like, hey, you know what, you're going to marry her, uh, don't go with anybody else. Does that sound like a fair rule? But does that sound like a rule like, oh, you don't ever let me do nothing? No, right? It's just an understanding because it's not about rules, actually. It's about the commitment. And that husband and wife, why would they want to do something like that against each other? So the Ten Commandments aren't just rules. They're just commitment. Commitment from God to the people and the people to God. Moses is up there on the mountain and he's having this time with God. And God gives him these stone tablets with this covenant, with this commitment. Then God says, Moses, you might want to get down there and check on your people before I get my hands on them. Because something's happened. So Moses comes, tablets in hand sees that indeed something has happened to the people. Probably the very first thing he sees is this big, shiny, golden statue. A bull. Now, to you and I, it may seem kind of weird, but what those people were saying is, here's our God. You see, Moses, you don't understand. You were gone for 40 days. And after about half a day, we started wondering, what's going to happen to us? When are you coming back? And so we had to do something, Moses. Now, here's what's interesting about that. It wasn't that long ago that the people were on the other side of Egypt as slaves. It wasn't that long ago that God said, I'm going to set you free. It wasn't that long ago that the plagues came and that the people marched out. It wasn't that long ago that the sea parted and the people walked on dry ground. And it wasn't that long ago when they got to the other side, the sea closed up and they all sang, Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. It wasn't that long ago. But now look at it. I know this is one of those things we look at as people from a long time ago and think, hey, built a golden calf? That's kind of weird. Sure glad we don't do that stuff anymore. And here's what's true. We don't. Or do. Yeah, we don't make things out of gold like that anymore, but um, what we have to understand is that that golden calf was God's to do. What people were saying when they have this calf or when they have some other statue like this, what they were saying was that that had the power that they needed. That that had the power. They weren't worshiping the image. They were worshiping the power that they gave to it. 
And here's the reality for you and I today. You want to talk about relevance? We still give power to things other than God. We put a lot of power, we put a lot of trust in the money we make, don't we? We put a lot of power, we put a lot of trust, we put a lot of emphasis on something called success. And we're not careful. You know what we're doing? We're building Now, I'm not suggesting success is bad. You can't have success. What I'm saying is, when that is where your trust is, when your trust and the power is in something else other than God, that something else is your golden calf. Y'all with me? Moses comes down and he sees what the people have done. And I think he just goes off. And I think his anger is supposed to represent God's anger. And in his anger, raises those two stone tablets I see, throws them at the people one by one. So they can watch each one of them hit the ground and shatter. And what he was saying was, your commitment to God that's what you've just done to us. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. Now there's something to pay attention to when you read that story again. You start to wonder, wait a minute. Moses is up on the mountain and he's getting the Ten Commandments, the Covenant, the commitment between God and the people and the people of God. And the people are down at the foot of the mountain. They don't know what's going on up there. They don't know about the commitment. They don't know about the covenant yet. How can you hold it against them if they don't know it already? And I think that reminds us that we have this silly idea, don't we? That I can have things figured out on my own. That I can work things out by myself that I can get myself right with God, and I don't need that much help. And how foolish we are to think so. It's our tendency. One of Wesley's great hymns, it's called Our Bent for Sinning. We are bent that way by ourselves. And part of recognizing that is recognizing that what we've done, when we follow that and we hold on to that, is we have thrown the tablets ourselves. We have broken our side of the commitment. And it may seem harsh for us to think, man, God was ready to swipe these people off the face of the earth. But understand, this is a great commitment. And in this, this understanding, this culture, if you broke the covenant you made together, it was right for the other person to do that to you. They're the shattered stones. In some way, God's saying, Moses is saying, that's all that's left of your commitment to God. But we keep reading. We realize there's something else left. It's Moses telling us, had it not been for this prayer, you guys might have been in for. Moses stood up and said, God, don't forget. 
forget. These are your people. These are your people. God, in some way, they can't help it. They see your power one day and they forget it the next. It's kind of in their minds. They can't help it. They experience your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. But then they get worried about today. Then they fret over the things that are happening to them right now. God, remember, even despite all of that, they are still your people. I think maybe for people today who understand that our stones are still there, broken, that is a great thing for us to remember. We are still God's people. We are still the ones who have seen God's power. We're still the ones who can stand on the shore side and sing, Great is thy faithfulness. Maybe you're not. Maybe the vote's still out. I don't know. There's something else about that story. Moses does a lot of talking, doesn't he?